0: Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're concluding a series we've been studying for a while called Broken. Has anybody been blessed by Broken? Can help anybody? And last week and this week, we're kind of zooming in on uh, parenting, just helping us to really help us to either uh, not have broken kids or allow God to heal our broken kids. And, of course, as you saw in our video today, we're going to focus in on teenagers today. And so I want to read Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11. It reads, there's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. It's funny, I was reading that out loud yesterday and one of my teenagers walked in a room and they said, that's my generation. And I said, yes it is, yes it is. No, But the, the bottom line is the Bible is actually teaching that this is a challenge that arises sometimes when you're raising kids and of course what happens if you don't uh, make adjustments while you're raising them and you allow them to become adults uh, with, uh, while they're still having foolishness in their heart. So notice it talks about, individuals that curse their father. The word curse here literally means to make light of, to be swift with, to be sharp with. Uh, We call it talking back. And if you were to keep reading later on in this chapter, it also talks about children that mock their father. And so the idea there is to deride, to scorn. And the idea that comes from that is to disrespect. And so The Bible is telling us that, you know, one of the challenges that we might deal with as parents uh, is children who will talk back to us, who will disrespect us. But then the second half of the scripture teaches that this generation also does not bless its mother. And the word bless there, I love some of the definitions there. It means to praise. It means to salute. I mean, we should salute our mothers sometimes and our fathers for all that they've done for us. It means to thank And so here the Bible is revealing that really as children and our children should be thanking their parents, should be saluting their parents. Ephesians chapter 6 teaches that we should actually be honoring our parents. And so our teenagers should be doing the same things with us. Now, Proverbs 20 and verse 20 reveals just how serious this is to God. It says, if you insult your father or mother your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. And this is one of just a number of scriptures like this. And you might say, man, does it really take all of that? Well, as far as God is concerned, it does. He's saying, hey, if you insult your parents, you disrespect your parents, your light will be snuffed out. In fact, in the Old Testament, one of the laws of the land where if you cursed your parent, the penalty for that was capital punishment. Well, you know, that's one way to snuff it out, right? Now, obviously, that was under the Old Covenant. We're in a different age, but you can see that this is actually an important issue. And God does not want our children to, to be broken teenagers. He doesn't want our teenagers to be broken, to be the type of kids that are talking back to their parents, that are to their parents, that are ungrateful for what their parents have done in their lives. And part of the problem with our teenagers being that way is that it, of course, causes them to be broken. It causes them to cause harm to happen in their lives, and it puts them on a collision course for disaster in their future. And so today what we want to do is we want to actually help you to to really make the adjustments to save them. You know, usually when you have a teenager that's kind of gotten to that point where they're unruly, rowdy, you know, back in the day we used to say they were baby kids, you know. Um, Uh, You kind of almost feel like it's too late. 15, 16, 17. And you're like, man, I, I messed up somewhere. I don't know what happened. I don't know how we got here. But now, you know, they're just too far gone. And you know what? It's not too late. If they are still in your house, it's not too late. You can still turn them around. Think about it. Many of us, we were really not right even after we left our parents' homes, right? Some of us were in our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 60s before God got our attention. And if God could turn us around as adults, he can surely turn our kids around as teenagers. So I want to help you today to to do your part so that your teenager can still be everything God wants them to be, even if they aren't acting the way God wants them to act right now. So I'm going to give you a couple of keys to doing that, and the first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're going to revisit a little bit what we talked about last week in this point, and that is that you need to teach, teach, and teach. Somebody turn to him and tell him, teach, teach, and teach. Turn to somebody else and tell them, you know, Jack, teach, teach, and teach. Teach my teenager? Yeah, I don't. They won't listen to me. Well, they may not seem like they're listening, but if you constantly teach them the right things, teach them God's word, what will happen is God's word will get planted in their hearts. One of the things I've learned as a parent is I'll be talking to my kids, and they'll give me that blank stare, and it'll feel like I'm just talking to myself, and then I look up, and I find they're doing exactly what I just told them, and it's like, wow, you did hear me. And so Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 18 reads, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them, of course he's talking about his words, to your children. So notice God is talking about teaching God's word. To your children. And what's interesting is if you were to back up just a few scriptures in this chapter, you find out he's actually talking to them about how to make sure they don't get off track. He's talking about how to make sure their hearts aren't deceived, they don't turn away from God. And the answer is to take God's word and lay it in their hearts, deposit it in their hearts. And then after saying all of that, he says, Now you also should be teaching my words to your children. Well, clearly, then, one of the benefits of teaching God's words to your children is that it'll help them not go off track. It'll help their hearts not be deceived. It'll help them not turn away from God. But notice here, it didn't say, take them to church so your church can teach your children God's words. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But clearly, the Bible is revealing to us that really the responsibility for teaching our children God's words falls on the parent. And by the way, if you don't have a child, what we're saying is still going to help you today, so stay with me. But really, if you are a parent or even a, a grandparent, you have the responsibility to teach your children God's words. So here's a question to ask yourself. When's the last time you talked about a scripture with your teenager? It's getting quiet in this place. When's the last time you actually quoted a scripture? Because I, I mentioned even myself, I mentioned this last week, that there are times I've talked to my kids about some things, but did not share it from the perspective of this is what God said. And this is why God said it. And when you have teenagers, you have to get to the place, you got to tell them why. When they're younger, you can get away with just telling them what. But if you want their character to be shaped the the right way, you want them to have the right kind of character, you're going to have to tell them why. And God's Word does an excellent job of telling them why. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, my parents did something that me and my sisters have never forgotten. And uh, there was a kid that we went to school with, and now they had graduated from the school we had went to, and they were now in high school, and they were at a a non-Christian school, and this guy, he started hanging out with the wrong friends. And so they ended up in a car accident and the only person that got hurt was the Christian kid. And it was in the news. So my parents literally cut out the newspaper article. Sat down with us and was like you know this guy. Do You see what happens when you hang out with the wrong people. It's Proverbs thirteen twenty: He that is a companion of fools will be destroyed. And to this day we remember that. It kept us from, you know, hanging out with the wrong people. There were times where I, I, you know, I almost hung out with the wrong people. And I remember him like, well, no, I'm not going to be the one. You know, because it does seem like that. It does seem like, you know, when you got some good kid starts hanging out with the wrong people, that's the good kid that gets shot. You ever notice that? It's like, you know what, Satan couldn't get to them. But since they finally put themselves in a position where they, 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 that they shouldn't be in, now he's able, he has one shot, and he takes it, and he's successful. Well, that was my parents teaching us, teaching us God's word, teaching us how to apply God's word to our lives. And, of course, this scripture doesn't just say teach them God's word once. It says actually to teach them, talk about God's words when you're at home, talk about God's word when you're on the road or when you're traveling, talk about God's words when you go to bed, talk about God's word when you get up. I, once again, I was reading this, and I, even I was being convicted and saying, and what percentage of this am I actually doing? Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? I mean, am I really talking about God's word in the car? Am I talking about God's word in the morning or at night? Or am I just saying, throwing out a quick prayer? I mean, how much am I doing this? Because me laying up God's word, depositing God's word in my child's heart is key to them having the future that I want them to have. God's word is the power to salvation. It's the power to them walking in their purpose. It's the power to them being prosperous. It, 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 it contains everything that they need. So how much am I feeding their spirit like I'm feeding their body? God is telling us you need to teach, teach, teach your children God's word. If you go to Proverbs chapter 4, we looked at this last week. This is something that Solomon said I don't think it's any coincidence that he was the wisest man on earth because of this. He said, when I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Well, of course, the words that he was giving him were God's words. We know that because God literally put them in the Bible. You can read them in the book of Proverbs, for example, as well as in, in some of the other books as well. So, David taught Solomon God's words. And David was able to say to him in verse 9, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. Can you say that to your teenager? I have taught you in God's ways. I have led you in the right ways. And you ought to be able to say yes. And as we said last week, your best teaching tool might just be you living it before them might just be you doing things God's way. You living your life based on what the Bible says versus on how, based on how you feel or how society thinks you should live your life. So it's important to teach your teenagers what God said. And let me mention that I'm not just talking about spiritual topics, if you know what I mean by that. It's important to talk to them about praying in the spirit. It's important to talk about prayer. It's important to talk about you know, things like that. But you need to open God's Word and teach them about the issues of life. For example, your children should hear what God's Word says about sex before they hear about sex from anybody else. They should hear what God's Word says about money. They should hear what God's Word says about friends. And there's a lot of things that the Bible says. The Bible is very practical. It's very relevant. And so you need to go ahead and make a point of teaching them What the Bible says about these things, and some of the best ways to do it is, like the example I mentioned, is to use what's actually happening in life as an illustration, showing it, almost like an object lesson. Something just happened, let me tell you what what God says about this. Or even when you're talking about politics, you know, you got to talk to your kids about politics. You got to tell them what God's perspective is on things. So when something comes up, you can tell them, well, this is what the Bible says about it. This is something that should be happening on a regular basis. And as you teach, 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 teach them, the right things will be deposited in their hearts and they'll have the right actions. They'll have the right character and they'll follow it up with the right actions. You really want your voice to be the dominant voice in their head uh, as as they're growing up so that even when they're making major decisions, they hear your voice telling them what God said. All right, number two. Set clear boundaries and give consistent correction. Set clear boundaries and give consistent correction. Proverbs 29, 15 says this. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The rod and rebuke. Notice the Bible talks about the rod. Of course, uh, the Bible is very clear. The Bible talks about using the rod, using... Uh, the rod of correction. We will call it the belt today. You know, some people have a problem with that society. You know, they have an issue with that. But the Bible is very clear that it's not just rebuke that gives wisdom. It's not just time out. It's the rod and rebuke. And most of us who grew up in here, we grew up dealing dealing with the rod. The rod saved our lives. Thank God for the rod or the belt. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about abuse, and there is a difference. But when you have a teenager, they're too old for the rod. They might be big. They might take the rod out your hand. Let me tell you what you know. So the rod, it may be a little different. And you know what? God has given us a great gift in 2019 to discipline our teenagers. It's called a cell phone. Some teenagers would rather you beat them with a ride than take their cell phone. Am I right? Some of them, it's called car keys. They would rather just, just, just do anything but take away the car from me. The point is that there needs to be some real consequences to uh, wrong behavior. Wrong actions. And because the rod and rebuke, and, that, and notice what goes along with that, rebuke literally means verbal correction. So when you put those two together, they give wisdom, which tells me that wisdom, we might even say good sense, doesn't just come to people. They don't, they're not going to just automatically get good sense. and They're going to get good sense from the rod and rebuke. If you leave them to themselves, as this scripture says, you don't correct them when they're going the wrong way. They're going to eventually cause you to be ashamed because of what they do and how and the kind of people they have become. So why is this in the Bible? And there's a lot of scriptures that say this. Why is it in here? Because God is telling you as a parent that you must correct your children. You must give consistent correction. And, of course, you can't give consistent correction if they don't have clear boundaries. They have to know what, your, what the rules are. They have to know what's acceptable to you and what isn't. And uh, so the thing about life is that life has done a great job of giving us clear rules. Today, you know, football is going to be on. And, you know, if you, if you catch the football and your foot is touching the white line, you're out of bounds. Right? Doesn't matter how great the catch was, doesn't matter how great the throw was, you are out of bounds. You don't get the yardage. That's life. Right? On the freeway, you know, there's a median. Right? Clearly, you don't want to cross the line. And, and because if you cross the line enough, you'll hit the median. Right? In fact, when you train your kids to drive, you usually tell them, you do tell them not to not even get close to the median. You tell them not to be too close to the car in front of them. Why? Because if you are, you'll crash. That's life. Well, in your home, children have to learn that if I cross this line, I'm a crash. This is the line mom or daddy drew. They, they drew this line. And if I cross this line, there's gonna be consequences. You want them to, to learn that before they leave your house. You want them when they cross those lines to, to see their consequences. Before they get out in the world and find out about the world's consequences. Because you'd rather be the one correcting them than, than the world correcting them. So all I'm saying is there needs to be some clear rules in your home. And you got to stick with them. And sometimes what happens is as parents, in fact, there's another scripture that uh, I guess I can read it to you in Proverbs 19, 18. It says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And and I believe one translation of this, when it talks about this, it talks about don't let your soul spare for their crying. And the idea here is, you know, when you do discipline a child, you know, sometimes you feel bad, right? They are upset, they're mad, um, they're crying, and you feel like, oh, you know, let me kind of give you a break. And, And there's a place for mercy, but it's not all the time. Because you end up ruining their lives. Because they figure out, well, all I got to do is just, like, shed a tear, (laughs) pout a little bit. I mean, in fact, they'll tell their friends, don't worry, I'll get out of this. And I mean, you can't always get out of it in life. So you need to be consistent with your correction. There needs to be consistent consequences, even for teenagers, especially for teenagers. If your curfew is at this time, I expect you in the house at this time. If you don't do that, then here are the consequences. If I tell you you don't talk to me like this and you do that, I might warn you once. But if you do it again, there's consequences. I own your Xbox now. Or your PlayStation. Or your car keys. Now you are hearing that and going, oh, yeah, that is going to make them angry. Let not... Don't spare them for their crime. Some things you learn simply by living through it. And you'd rather your kids learn it in your home than learn it outside of your home. Can I say this? Don't be scared of your kids. They're your kids. You change those diapers. You wipe that nose. They might be smart, but they learn from you. Don't be scared of your kids. If they're upset with you, they might just run away. They'll be back. (laughs) They will figure it out. That's how some people are. They got to throw a fit because they're going to try everything under the sun to try to get their way. And and you can't get your way in life like that. So you want them to learn that before they leave your home. Here's another one. that's really important. Stir up the dream in their heart. Somebody say, it's not too late. Right? It's not too late to, to, to win that person back, to, to bring a teenager back into in place. But well, here's one of the things. The key is to stir up the dream in their heart. you ever noticed this? I, I, you know, I love sports, so I've always followed them, played them, all that kind of stuff. And every once in a while, I would hear a story about a great player who came out of a really bad home situation. In fact, it's true of a lot of guys in the NBA, where you know the neighborhood they lived in was really crime-ridden, uh, and a lot of the friends that they grew up with were either in prison or dead. And and I'll read about, or I'll watch a video where this guy's talking about how they never did smoke, or they never did drink, or they never did drugs, and 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 they instead they found themselves in the court all the time. And that's how they made it to the NBA. And what jumps out at me about that is that these guys aren't always Christians. They're not saying Jesus protected me. So what did protect them? Their dream. They had such a burning passion for the dream in their heart, in that case maybe to make it to the NBA, that they refused to allow anything to get in the way of them accomplishing that dream. There's something about a dream that gives your life focus. And one of, the things, one of the best things you can do for your teenager is stir up the dream that's in their heart. In Luke chapter 2, we actually read about Jesus right at 12, so right before he became a teenager. And it says, now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teacher's both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, what's happened here? Well, if you were to back up a little bit, you find out that his family had come to Jerusalem for the feast, that after the feast was over, they had started heading back home, and after about a day, they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. Apparently, it must have been pretty normal for the kids to just kind of hang out with each other. You know, I, I get this, because when my, my, my family's around, you know, I've got nephews, and, and of course, I've got cousins for days. And so, you know, when you know everybody, you're not really worried about where your kids are because you know they're with somebody. So that seemed to to be what happened with Jesus where he was, you know, after about a day, they realized he wasn't with anybody. So they turned around, went back looking for him, and they found him in the temple. Well, if your kid's going to disappear, the best place for him to disappear to is church, right? (laughs) They found him in the temple, the Bible says, and he's sitting in the midst of the teacher's listening to them, and asking them questions. So he's they're talking about God's word, right? And the Bible says, And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. I want you to notice that Jesus, right about 12 years old, is sitting there among the doctors of the law, Right? And he's talking about God's word with them. And he's asking questions about God's word. And he's answering questions about God's word. And he's blowing them away. He's a child prodigy. And you know, your kid is gifted like that in some area. In some area, your teenager is gifted. Gifted. And one of the things that you can do for them is help them figure out what that area is. And by the way, don't, don't dismiss it because it's not where you're gifted. Don't devalue it because it's not something that you think is important. You know, I've got a cousin who's a you know, big, strong guy and uh, athlete, coach, all of that. And his boy is a is, is phenomenal singer. And you know what? He, he went ahead and he pushed that. This is where you're gifted? Come on, let's, let's, let's do this. Instead of, you know, you, you might think, you know, being a big football player, you might say, boy, get on the football field. And he did. He did, he did some of that. But he pushed them out there and said, this is where you're gifted? Let's, let's help you develop in this area. And, and so one of the things that I've learned, even one of my kids, and she's really good at drawing, and I can't draw at all. And Tiffany can't draw at all. So I don't really know where she got it from. But she can really draw. And so, you know, we're like, well, hey, let, let's 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 help you develop in that. I don't know what God's gonna do with this. In fact, what you'll often find is that your kids will have multiple gifts. And your goal is really to get your arms around what the gift was the, the dream that God. Has really what the mission that God has really sent them here to do. But the bottom line is that, you know, your kid is gifted in some area. And so we keep reading, of course, uh, the Bible says, When they, talking about Mary and Joseph, saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now that's a strange thing for a 12-year-old to say. What what do you mean you were looking for me? Didn't you know I had to take care of my my father's business? Like, he was so focused on the dream that was in his heart. On what God had made him to do. That he really didn't account for how this would impact his parents. And one of the things we got to realize about Jesus is that He learned just like we learn. The Bible says even elsewhere uh, how he learned obedience. So when he was a kid, he had to learn some things. He had to discover who he was. He had to develop his gifts. That's what he was doing. That's why he was there, to develop the gifts he already had. And he learned here, I believe, wait a minute, I can't just think about myself and my purpose. I got to think about, you know, everybody else here. But notice that even at 12, he knew what he was there for. And in the Bible, you got multiple people like that. You got Joseph, who was about 17, when God gave him a dream about him ruling, and he was called to be a politician. And he knew it at 17. He's telling his family, hey, man, this is what God showed Jeremiah was a little older, but he said, Man, the Lord said to me, I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. And I said, Who, who me? I'm a child. See, I believe that, and it's one of the goals of our, our, our student ministry, is that your teenagers should know their purpose before they leave your house. They should know what they're called to do, why why God has me here before they leave your house. And by the way, that'll save you a lot of money because you don't want to spend four years paying for the wrong major. Come on, that's what a lot of us did. We spent a lot of money in college, and we got a degree in this area, start working in this area, and then realize we hate it. Then we want to spend all our time. Now we got to get another education to do what God really sent me to do. And thank God we can all figure out our purpose no matter what age we're at, and God can put us on the right path. But one of the best things you can do for your kid is help them figure out what their purpose is, what their dream is before they graduate. And when you help them stir up that dream, that dream will help keep them on the right path. It will. I, I, I'm talking about sports because y'all know me, but I noticed something about you know a lot of women basketball players is that you don't you know you see a lot about team pregnancy and things like that but you don't see them girls get pregnant not what they not when they're trying to trying to get a college degree not when they're trying to get a scholarship not what they trying to play in college they find a way to keep themselves together why they got a dream and it, it, it's true in so many different areas so it's important to help them to figure out what that dream is and help them to chase that dream. You know, I love movies, and so I remember the Terminator movies. Anybody remember Terminator movies? The idea of Terminator movies was ultimately that there was this boy named John Connor who was going to grow up to become the leader of the human resistance. So his mother found out about this, and if you watched the first movie, and so she knew this when he was still little, ultimately. So she actually trained him and, and talked to him constantly about The fact that, you know, you can't do this because you got to be the leader of the resistance. You can't do this. You're the hope of mankind. You can't do this. She literally just aims him in that way so he would become everything he was supposed to be. And that's really what I'm talking about. The Bible talks about how your children are arrows in your hand. You aim him at the devil and you fire This is what the Bible talks about when it says train them in the way they should go because part of the way they should go is, is following God's plan for their life. So at some point, I'm I'm starting to have this conversation. I really have already started having these conversations with my, my oldest teenager. All right, we got to start talking about, we got to start praying about what has God called you to do. In fact, one of the things I did just in the last month, because she's still in that area, which is kind of like, you know, I don't know, you know. I literally said, all right, we're going to get a sheet of paper. And I wrote down all the things she has expressed interest in in the past. And then I also wrote down all the colleges that we've talked about in the past. And I gave her a pen. And I said, cross all everything that no longer applies. And we started, we, so we're narrowing it down. We narrowed down. You know, there was some colleges she got rid of. And I was like, hallelujah. And some she got rid of. I was like, oh, I like this college. And there were some other things that, you know, she used to do. She was good at, but she didn't really have a passion for. Well, what am I doing? I'm I'm working towards this goal of figuring out what God has called you to do. And and realize you're working with God. God's ultimately the one that has to reveal it to them. But, you know, you have to do your part. So one of the best things you can do is help stir up the dream that's in their heart. And and right now, it might just be that you're just helping them learn some different things, try out some different things, develop their gifts in different areas, because that's part of the process. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but safety to the Lord, you got to prepare the horse. Y'all not helping me preach today, but that's right. I'm preaching good anyway. Next one, Proverbs 13. This is a big one. This is actually a big one. You may not even be, you may not have a child. You might not ever plan to have a child, but you need to listen to this. Protect them from undue influences and dream wreckers. Protect them from undue influences and dream wreckers. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. So God, so let's say it this way. I know your future by looking at your friends. I know your kids' future by looking at their friends. I can't tell them who they can be friends with. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) You better. When their life, their future is on the line. What's he telling you? Why is this important? Because who you are around, in fact, let's say it this way. The, the the key word here is exposure. Their friends play a role in what they are exposed to, as well as programming them to a degree about what they're going to do. I don't know. And we've all been there. You got a friend that smokes, especially got a couple of them. You're probably gonna try it. You got some friends that are sleeping around, they encourage you to do the same thing, you're probably going to try it. You got some friends that are drinking, you're probably going to try it. Their friends have a huge influence on you, and they still have an influence on us today. I mean, our country is still nothing but a big high school. It's <laughs> so all it is. You ever look at social media, all it is, popularity contests and calling names and ostracizing people, and that's what politics are. It's nothing but a big big high school. We never left high school. We just look a little older. It just is. Everybody's so influenced by other people, and we like to act like that's not true. I'm I'm, I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are influenced by somebody. And undue influences have a much Bigger effect on our children than we think they do. And they're dangerous. They're dangerous. So I read this article a couple years ago. I never forgot it. And it was talking about a group of teenagers who were found dead in a motel room. Now, what's interesting is that they weren't found dead. uh, They weren't in that room doing anything wrong. There was no drugs. There was no alcohol. There was no loud party. They were just hanging out. Now, you could argue they shouldn't have been there. But the point is that they weren't doing anything illegal. But what happened was that underneath the, whole, the, the room was a garage. And somebody had left the car running. And the fumes from the car wafted up into the room. And they all died. And I think that's a great example of undue influence. Because what happens is a lot of parents, they look at their kid, and I don't know how my kid got to this point. And it's because there's been a, a running car in their life. I had a, a one family I ended counseling years ago when I pastored in another city. Uh, the mother came to see me because her son had gotten into some sexual deviant behavior. He had been convinced that he he was you know, sexually different than what God made him. i put it that way. But he had been raised in church. He knew better. But somehow or another, he got this idea in his head. And she's like, I don't really know what to do about this. I'm trying to help him. And I don't know what's going on. And, and we start talking. And it turned out that her sister had been encouraging this. And had been telling him, oh, no, you just this way. And go ahead and embrace that. And on and on and on. And, and, and I told her, like, you better get with your sister. Because your sister is, the, is your problem right here she got a different worldview, and she's pushing this on your kid, and this lifestyle will destroy him. And so she did, and I saw him online not too long ago, and he's grown up to be a great man, got a good life. God's doing great things, but what was happening was who she had allowed in his life. Just because they're family doesn't mean that they should be allowed in your child's life. Who are you allowing to train your children? Who, what are you giving access to your child's heart? Because really, whatever's going, whatever is going in their ears, whatever is in front of their eyes, whoever they are around, they're holding your teenager's heart in their hands. And that's why you got to be very careful of what music they're listening to. Like in my house, we weren't allowed to listen to secular music. You know, now we snuck a little bit. <laughs> my sisters especially. <laughs> you know, I was an angel, whatever. <laughs> but The devil didn't like that part. But there's one thing for your kids even when you say you can't do this and they sneak in and listen to secular music. It's much better than them sneaking and getting drugs. You know what I'm saying? Set a high standard. So there were things we I wasn't allowed. It wasn't allowed in my house. You know, my dad heard. I remember one time I got in trouble. I got a spanking. I was, this is was when I was a little younger. Because I got in the car singing, singing Michael Jackson. You know how it gets in your head. And I'm just singing, just beat it, just beat it, just beat it. I just keep singing. And my mama like, boy, you stop singing it. And a few minutes later, there I go, just beat it. She, boy, stop singing it. And I, and, I, and, I, and I heard her, but I just, a few minutes later, just beat it. And then they beat me, you understand? <laughs> i never forget it. You know how your sisters remind you everything that happened. You remember that one time when you was singing? Just? Yes, I remember. I got some stories for you, too, you know. Why were they that way? Why were they that way? Because what goes in your ears, what you're singing out of your mouth, what you're watching on a screen, who you're hanging around, has a huge influence on you. That's why some of y'all are miserable right now because you listen. Come on. I I told this story uh, when I was in college. I was in ministry school, and, you know, I'm trying to live right and live holy, and I, I would be doing okay. But then every once in a while, you know, I finally got away from home, bro. I got my own little apartment, so I could watch me some music videos. And daddy wouldn't I know. And I'd throw on some B E T and some MTV back then, you know, and I, and you know, then Tony Braxton had this song out there. And Tony Braxton was fine. And she had this song, and it was, it was a, I don't know, I don't know if it was just another sad love song, but it was one of those songs, and it was almost like I'm lonely. And after listening to that, I'd be like, hold on, man. I need to go find me somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm good looking. I'm young. I'm in college. I, want my, I ain't got no girlfriend. I need to go find somebody. This ain't, I mean, it would just, it, it would make you feel some kind of way. It's being real. Some of y'all, that's your problem right now. You're going, you going to come to church and get all built up and jump in the car and listen to junk that's going to watch stuff. Some of the stuff we watch on TV, I had to stop watching some stuff. I had to leave Shondaland. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I did. I, did, I had to stop. Watch. I watched maybe one season of Scandal because my wife, my wife watched it, liked it, and I was like, I can't watch that no more. I stopped watching Empire after the first season. It's like can't watch this mess no more. I didn't know what I was getting into, right? But after I got into the middle of it, I was like, uh-uh, no, this is this is uh-uh, no, no. And as a man, you know, having half-naked women on stage singing at you every week, shaking everything, I'm like, no, I'm trying to stay married. Y'all, I, y'all ain't finding me in no strip club in downtown Detroit, because I'm trying to find what I saw on TV. Come on, can I be real with y'all today? This stuff is real. You got to be very careful what you allow your kids to be exposed to. What? When's the last time you checked their social media? Oh, they would be mad. They in your house. You pay for the phone. What they looking at on YouTube? What's going on with Snapchat? What's the TikTok videos they watching? Some I don't even know what TikTok is. Like, what's that? It's only the most popular app for kids. Now, nowadays it's even more difficult because they're getting all this stuff fed through them through their phone, where it used to be you at least had to go somewhere. But are you on top of that? What's going into their heart? You have to protect them from undue influences. Because it matters. You know, in sports, if you want to be a good team, you can't just play offense. You also have to play defense. Right? You can't just score a lot of points. you got to keep the other team from scoring points. And there's some of us, we do a good job of telling our kids God's word. But we're not doing a good job of keeping other stuff from their ears too. I had one, one um, family that happened, what happened was I had a, a, they had a kid in our church, and they were one of the leaders of our, our student ministry. I mean, on fire for God. I mean, you're like, man, I don't know what God's going to do with this person. And somehow or another, some things happened, and they had to be taken out of a, a Christian school, put in another school, and they got in the wrong environment, around the wrong friends. And the same kid, within about a year or two, was in and out of juvie. I I'll literally sit down and talk with the kid, And they couldn't hear a word I was saying. And they were hearing a word all the time. It was a lot of offense. But what happened was, you know, a few things happened, and the defense was lacking. And it took years to get that kid right. Now, they're right now. But it took years because of where they put them. And I know one of the things I saw online, you know, we post some of these videos, and somebody responded, well, this ain't true because I trained my kid right. And then when they went to college, then they just went crazy, and I ain't trained them that way. What college did you send them to? Because the most challenging time, most challenging place in America to try to live right is a college campus. That is the roughest, that's the hardest one. So you take your trained kid and you drop them in the middle of a college campus where there is no God, and then you are, you don't, you, you're surprised that you, your kid turns into a stranger? It happens way too often. I don't know how people don't get it. You might need to pay attention to where your kid goes to college. They may not have to go to the big public university if the public university is going to destroy them. If they go crazy when you send them to college, that's just as much your fault as it is theirs. Not popular, but it's true. You got to be very careful about the influences in their hearts. You need to protect them from undue influences. You've got to protect them from dream wreckers right now, which is also why I, I like this, this principle. And I actually, uh, I'm going to read this to you. It's Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. It reads, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once. Somebody say once. Let it not be once named among you. Let it not be once. Not once. Somebody say not Not once. Why don't you give, you know, these kids have all these challenges nowadays, right? They had the fire challenge and all these other challenges. Give your kid the not once challenge. Not once will you drink alcohol. Not once will you drink, do drugs. Not once, not once will you have sex before you're married. Not once will you pick up a cigarette. Not once will you curse. Not once. Give them that challenge. While they're teenagers, especially when they're younger, I want to challenge you to never, ever do it. I want you to be able to stand up there at 30 and be able to say, I never did this. I want you to be able to stand there on your wedding day and say, I've never had sex. I'm a virgin. I want you to be able to stand. See, I can stand before you all today and say, I never drank alcohol. Ever. Never did a drug. Ever. Put that challenge in front of your kids. Set that standard not once, where you do these things. Y'all getting all convicted up in here. I, I ain't saying you did something wrong. I'm talking about your, your kids. But aren't, don't you wish somebody did that with you? Yeah. How much stuff did we go through? I mean, there's some areas where I did mess up. How many things that I, I went through? How many things have we gone through? How many things that we're still fighting to get free of years later? That if we had just never even tasted of it, or we had waited until it was the appropriate time, it would have, we wouldn't have had to deal with those things. Give your kid the gift of not once. Well, this ain't the most popular message, but we're almost done. Last one. Pray and trust God. Somebody say pray and trust God. James five sixteen says, "Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you may be healed." The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So notice he says, "Pray for each other, so that you may be healed." Pray that God can heal. This tells you something about prayer. God does nothing in the earth with, unless His children ask Him. God can do nothing. In the life of your teenager, unless you ask him or they ask him. Yeah, a lot of things. God needs prayer to move on their behalf. When's the last time you prayed for your teenager? And I'm not just talking about a quick prayer. I'm not talking about, Lord, protect them from me killing them. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about the earnest prayer. That's the prayer where you care, right? Of a righteous person. That, that's a heart. That Bible, the Bible calls that the prayer of supplication. That's when you're praying a heartfelt prayer for them. That's when you're praying primarily in the spirit for them. When's the last time your teenager was your prayer project? So we often wait till our kids have messed up before we pray like this for them. Well, why don't you pray like this for them now? Pray that God's help helps them discover their purpose. Pray so that God can heal them up of things that have happened in their hearts. Pray that God brings the right people across cross their path. Are you praying for their future spouse yet? When you pray, then when you pray because you care, then you allow God to move anywhere, right? You allow God to do in their lives what he wants to do in their lives. You need to craft a prayer shield around your child. And one of the ways to pray for our children is, is found in Matthew chapter nine. I won't take it there, but the Bible talks about pray that God sends laborers across the path of people. If you if you have a kid, you have family members. You know that for some reason, family doesn't like to listen to family. I remember when I was growing up, and I would I would go to practice, you know, because once I play basketball and. And I would come home and like, man, Dad, my coach just taught me this. And, man, it's amazing. He'd look at me like, boy, I told you that a year ago. He'd be like, why are you always excited when somebody else tell you what I already told you? And they'd be like, yeah, but you, you don't know what you're talking about, you know. Yeah. It's just something about family that, that just makes you not want to receive from them. So sometimes what God will do is he'll send somebody that's not family. He'll, he'll send people to them that they will listen to if you pray for it. So that I, I listened to the story from, from Kenneth Hagan. I went to his ministry school, his, his ministry has impacted the world literally. And um, he was talking about how one day his mother had told him that his uncle had really fought, you know, was really not doing well. The bottom line is he married the wrong woman, talking about undue influences. Stop going to church. Stop reading the Bible. Um, His kids grew up without ever having any real exposure to God, and the end result was his kids ended up being a mess. And he's always having to, you know, bail them out and things like that. And it just wore him down. So he had lost a whole lot of weight. He was just he wasn't doing well. And so he said one day he was driving on the street and he saw this guy walking, and from the back, the way he was walking. He thought it was his uncle. He was like, oh, man, that's my uncle. And so he's going to stop, you know, stop the car, pick him up, and drive him wherever he was going. And then after a minute, he was like, he saw him, and he was like, that's not him. And he kept going, and then he remembered what his mother said. She said, you wouldn't even recognize And he was like, that was him. And he said, he cried out, oh, Lord, save my uncle. And he said he heard a voice in the back of the car say, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And he said, he literally pulled the car over and looked in the back, see if somebody was back there. Because he's like, what? What's going on? And finally he said, is this you, God? And God said, yeah. And he said, what do you mean? That's what you're trying to do. And he said, you know, I've been praying for him for years. And he had done it. He said he had spent hours praying for his uncle to be saved. But you can't pray for somebody to be saved. They have free will. You can just pray for the opportunity, for for that, 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 that open door. But he didn't hear the gospel, and God told him that. He said, no, you, you, what you need to do is pray that I send someone across his path that he will listen to, to tell them about Jesus. He said he'd been off track for 15-plus years. He prayed that prayer, and within a week, he was in church because somebody he would listen to came up to him. Talked to him about Jesus, and he chose and got, and got his life together. One thing that you can do for your kids is pray that God sends people across their path they can listen to. And that's also another reason why you bring them to church, because they may not listen to you, but they might listen to Justin. They might listen to one of these teams, somebody they look up to that, that, that's what they want to be. Pray for them. And then ultimately, don't forget that they were God's kids first. So we're talking about you doing your part. The Bible says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but safety is the Lord, right? You, You train your children the way they should go, and God will make sure they'll not depart from it. With God, nothing is impossible. They're his kids. You do your part. God will step in and do his part, and your children will have the amazing lives, Even more importantly, be the amazing people that God wants them to be. Amen. Anybody believe that today? Come on, lift your hands and give God praise and glory for the word of God. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.